listening to a reading. And then Sarah's going to come and talk to us. The first reading is from 1 Corinthians, chapter 1, verses 18 to 25, and this can be found on page 1144 of the Church Bibles. Christ crucified is God's power and wisdom. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased, though, through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demanded signs, and Greeks looked for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Gospel reading is from Mark chapter 8, verses 31 to 33 on page 1012 of the Church Bibles. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. This is the word of the Lord. That's great. Thank you so much, Judith and Nick. Shall we pray before we begin? Father God, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you for its ability to speak into our lives. And we ask now, Lord, that you would speak to us, that you would challenge us in those areas where we need challenging, and you would comfort us in those areas where we need comforting. And we ask, Lord, that you would renew our minds so that we might live more like the Lord Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. When um, I was nearing uh, the end of my time at university, um, in my early 20s, I started to offend people. 
Now, not deliberately, I might add, but I kept not seeing people in the street. And they would come up to me later and say, why did you blank me? Why didn't you wave back? Well, it's very nice of them to do that and assume I wasn't being too rude. But at the same time, I started to realise that everything in life started to get a bit foggy. And I thought, well, maybe it's to do with the weather. Maybe it's a bit drizzly. But of course, as you have realised, we've got a little wanderer who's going around, it's really fine. (laughs) As you realise, what had happened was that I needed glasses. And then with a pair of glasses on, I could see everything much more clearly. Everything looked alive. I could see the leaves on the tree. I could actually see that the world was full of people that I knew and I could wave at them, which was really good for my relationships. Now, we are starting uh, today, I think there's a slide, Andrew, with um, a new series called uh, starting uh, now for the period of Lent, and it's called Cross-Shaped Life. And we're thinking of the cross as a lens through which we might look at the world around us. And our series is based on Graham Tomlin's book called Looking Through the Cross. And um, it might be something that you want to take up, as we were talking about earlier, during Lent, and uh, read this book. It's very accessible. It's um, a, a, good, a good read. Um, and hopefully that will help you draw closer to Jesus. But in Graham's book... He says that the cross is not just something that we study or examine, although that's really important, but he's saying it's a lens through which we look at the world. And my glasses are not just clear glass like a window. For those of you who wear glasses, you know this. But they adjust my sight. They are made in in such a way to adjust the way that I see the world. It changes how I see everything. And that is the idea that the cross, when we look through it, starts to change how we see absolutely everything in the world. We begin to see the world more as God sees it, not as we see it. And I I don't think the cross can fail to do that because, you know, here is God. God in all his sovereignty and power and wisdom. And in Christ Jesus, he is nailed to a cross. He's broken. He's pierced. He's condemned. He's shamed. He's ridiculed. He's spat upon. And purposely so. Because of his great love for each one of us. And what we want to do through this series is to look at different things. Wisdom, evil, power, identity, suffering, ambition, and failure. And the book does have a couple more chapters, but we have to finish at that point. It's not the way, the cross-shaped lens is not the way that we're used to looking at the world. So it's going to be hard. It should be hard. We're going to feel uncomfortable. And Jesus' teaching again and again Jesus shows us how radically different he sees things. His his view of things is so different to us. Just think of the Beatitudes. They always make uncomfortable reading. I really don't like reading the Beatitudes. They're kind of upside down. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek, the merciful, the pure in heart. And the one who said these things 
lived them. He lived them all the way to the cross. Now I'm going to hand out um, a picture. Um, I think also, Andrew, our next slide is a picture. Jan, will you help me? Um, and it's, uh, it's a picture. Can you pass those around? Is that right? It's a picture by an artist called Charlie Mackesy. And what I want us to do, I just want to pass those back. There we go. What I want us to do is just to reflect on our own quietly for a few minutes and just ask God what situation is that situation in our lives that we want him to help us look at differently this Lent. Perhaps it's a particular situation at work. Perhaps it's a situation that is, 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 could be an opportunity. Or perhaps it's a relationship. And let's just, in a, over a few moments, ask quietly, ask God to give us his perspective. So we're going to do that and then we're going to move on and think about wisdom together.
just an ongoing task. Let's continue to ask the Holy Spirit to show us those areas which will change our thinking about different things that we're facing in life at this moment. Perhaps at the end of the service, if there's something you want to pray through with somebody, we do go and speak with the prayer ministry team and start that process of thinking about that with God. It doesn't need to be rushed. Something that's very precious. So what we're going to do now for just a few more minutes is we're going to think about wisdom. Wisdom and see wisdom through the lens of the cross. Now I wonder who you consider to be a wise person in your life. I wonder who you look to for guidance, who helps you think wisely about things. Andrew, yeah, I think there's... Yeah, I don't know if you... Maybe Charlie Brown is a source of wisdom in your life. When I was Googling it, I thought um, he was the source of many pithy sayings, useful for Facebook. But of course, wisdom is so much more than knowledge. It's actually more than experience too. Wisdom is about right perspective. And that's perhaps easier to see when we think about the opposite of wisdom, when we think about foolishness. Foolish actions stem, don't they, from a, 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 diff, a lack of a right perspective. I was going to say the wrong perspective, but the lack of a right perspective on a situation. Now, all of us are moulded by the values of those around us, for good or for bad. The wisdom of our age really impacts and shapes how we live our lives, what importance we give to different things. And even as Christians, our wisdom will be really influenced by the fact that we live at this time in this part of the world. Now, in our Gospel reading, I don't know um, if you've got it open or you've got it on your sheet, it's on page 1012 if you want to have a look. Peter has just declared really profoundly that Jesus is the Messiah. And it's this pinnacle moment in his faith, but I think also for the disciples. He has worked out who Jesus is. And yet, as Jesus begins to teach his disciples that he will suffer and be rejected and killed... Peter takes Jesus aside and starts to rebuke him. I love that word that he actually rebukes Jesus. Who would do that? And he says, no, Jesus, no way. That is not what a Messiah is like. No way. That's not the path you're going to take. What about overthrowing the Romans? That's what we expected to do. That's what we believe when we looked at the prophets. That's the kind of Messiah we thought we were going to get cross? You can't. It's shameful. It's vulgar. A cross for the Messiah, God's anointed one. And as, you, as we heard read, as Nick read to us, Jesus turns to Peter and says, they're quite harsh words. He says, get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. You know, it's a phrase that has stuck with me all week. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but you have merely human concerns. And it's so true. 
We don't, do we? The wisdom of the world says, look out for number one, accumulate wealth, keep young, fit, busy. It says, my happiness is supreme. Choose comfort, choose ease, choose the good life. Fit God into any convenient little gaps that there are, if at all. Mould God into the way we want him to be. But Jesus, he didn't live like that, did he? He didn't live with those priorities. His path was the way of the cross. Doggedly that way. His Father's will supreme in his life. So how do we start to have God's wisdom for life and not the world's, not the way that we've been used to? Well, we begin at the cross. At the cross That is where God's wisdom is made known. And and there it confuses, it confounds our wisdom, our understanding of what life is meant to look like. Now there's, um, now this is some graffiti, some first century Roman graffiti. They had graffiti even then, they didn't have spray cans. And what it says is, well it's depicting a donkey's head on a man's body. And the Greek says, Alexamenos, that's the guy's name, worships his God. It's mocking the Christian faith of a man called Alexamenos. Who would worship a crucified God? And that's what Paul was writing um, when Judith read to us in 1 Corinthians. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. See, the Roman world looked at the cross and they saw failure, weakness, shame, disgrace, foolishness. Understandably so. Crucifixion was a horror. You know, in the church, we have sanitized it. We have put it behind a a sunset. We've blocked out the blood. But it was a horror. Cicero, the Roman philosopher, said this. He said, the very name of the cross is absent, not only from the body of Roman citizens, but also from their minds, eyes, and ears. And what he's saying is that a Roman citizen would never look, listen, or think about crucifixion. Perhaps the cross appears as foolishness to your friends. Perhaps it appears worse than foolishness. But of course for us it's not, is it? It's not foolishness. We know that it demonstrates the power, the forgiveness, the love of God. And some of us wear crosses, don't we, around our necks. And we worship before a cross. It's a symbol for us of power and love. And yet I wonder, because it's become so familiar to us, that we haven't, maybe we've reduced its significance Maybe we've just focused on the power, on the triumph, but we haven't focused on that other side, the side about being rejected, the side that is about weakness, of shame, of literally everything that our society abhors. And in the letter to the Corinthians, Paul was really challenging the church, and he's saying, you've forgotten about the one you're following. You've forgotten how you're meant to live. They despised those who were not lowly. They wanted just to hang out with those who were influential, celebrity culture. But when it comes to the cross, Paul wanted to remind them that no, Jesus didn't do that. He hung with the outcasts, literally outside the city wall. He became one with them. 
And we, like them, have to realign our thinking, our vision of God, our vision of what life is like, and what our lives should be about. We worship a God who is defined by love, love which pays the ultimate price, love which is unconditional, which gives again and again. Just finally, for those of you who watched, I don't know if anyone you did watch the BBC adaption of Les Miserables, I just added this in because it has stuck with me ever since I saw it. Jean Valjean's love for Cosette and what he did. There is a scene where he is carrying the body of um, Marius Pontmercy and he's carrying it through sewage, Parisian sewage, and holding this, his body up and his nose. I mean, obviously, it's the BBC adaption. But for me, he didn't even love this guy. He loved Cosette, and Cosette loved Marius. And so he is going to the extremes. But more than that, he never tells Marius what he's done. He never says, I've saved you. And what's more, he allows Marius to condemn him and say, yes, you were a thief and you were imprisoned, and he doesn't defend And that image has stuck with me, that willingness to love unconditionally for nothing at all except for the rightness and the goodness and his response to Jesus' love for him. As we prepare in a moment to come to share communion together, this is a meal that reminds us of God's intense love for each one of us. We can come as fools. We can come as those who have been foolish, who don't have wisdom, who don't have a right perspective. And we come and we kneel before the one who is all wise, all knowing, and who's been where we have been. So as um, we prepare, Adam is going to come and just lead us. Well, we're just going to listen, aren't we, Adam? I think you're going to play a song called Show Me the Way of the Cross. And we're just going to listen to it quietly and just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us. What is our response to Jesus' love for us?